Cast, the most heretical podcast about the New Jedi Order. I'm your host, Megan, and with me are my co-hosts, Rocky and Bria. This month, we'll be talking about Rogue Planet by Greg Bear, in which Anakin Skywalker adopts 12 children. Tarkin and Krennic, I mean, Wraith Sinar, bicker gloriously, and Verger's Jedi Master explains some things about Verger. So grab your villip, tune in, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Hi. <laughs> Hello. I would have liked this book better than it been Krennic, honestly. <laughs> it I mean, it was Krennic some spectacular. It was some spectacularly glorious sniping and mean girling, for lack of a better word. <laughs> so like Krennic. True. <laughs> he has better taste in capes and stuff. Exactly. So we're a little less than, a little more than a week out from the rise of Skywalker, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about totally different, different universes. <laughs> so, but I wanted to put the timestamp on there because I feel like that's important. Yes, yes it is. But we're going to be talking about the entirety of the expanded universe. The spoiler warning is dead. Long live the spoiler warning. We have finished the New Jedi Order and no longer have the spoiler bat. So expect us to talk about basically everything that happened since the Unifying Force. That includes going through today's book pretty thoroughly. So if you haven't finished reading it, you can read the book and then come back to us. Or you can just get spoiled for a book from 2000. I don't mind. Bria, read yes. us a summary. Okay. <clears throat> oh, it says Master and Apprentice on the back. Aw. <laughs> I liked that book better than this one. Okay, that's not the summary. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> the Force is strong in 12-year-old 12 12 Anakin Skywalker. So strong that the Jedi Council, despite misgivings, entrusted young Obi-Wan Kenobi with the mission of training him to become a Jedi Knight. Obi-Wan, like his slain Master Qui-Gon, believes Anakin may be the chosen one, the Jedi destined to bring balance to the Force. But first, Obi-Wan must help his undisciplined apprentice, who still bears the scars of slavery, find his own balance. Dispatched to the mysterious planet of Zenima Sakat, source of the fastest ships in the galaxy, Obi-Wan and Anakin are swept up in a swirl of deadly intrigue and betrayal. They sense a disturbance in the Force, unlike any they have encountered before. It seems there are more secrets on Zenima Sakat than meet the eye. But the search for those secrets will threaten the bond between Obi-Wan and Anakin and bring the troubled young apprentice face to face with his deepest fears and his darkest destiny. That wasn't as dramatic as the other ones, except for the last line. <laughs> the last line was pretty good, though. So I, I sense that we have differing opinions about this book, and I think that's good because... It's good to get different perspectives, and we usually have similar opinions about books, so this will be interesting. Yes, it will. It's kind of nice for all of us to have some kind of different, some kind of different opinion on it, because uh, this was actually the first time I read this book. Really? Oh, wow. Yes. So, first of all... I actually don't normally read a lot of prequel era. Rocky. Yeah. So clearly. No, no, Rocky, this book I need you to read. Like, desperately need you to read. It's called Shatterpoint. Please read Shatterpoint. I'm actually surprised I haven't because I am a deep lover of anything Matthew Stover. Exactly. (laughs) Please read that book and then come talk to me about it because it's it's one of my favorite Star Wars books of all time. See, I realize I like prequel era way better now 
than I did when I was a teenager. Huh. Yeah. And I think at least some of it is just that the Star Wars universe has grown so much since then. Or at least having read and watched so much more of it, I feel like I just have a lot better context to appreciate the prequel era. Hmm. I was not entirely sure going into this book, and I actually ended up liking it. That does connect to why we're talking about Rogue Planet at all, because while it is part of the New Jedi Order kind of mythos and very connected to the things we read at the end of the New Jedi Order, it's also a prequel book. It's set 30 or 40 years before anything else in the rest of the series, so... Why are we reading this for a new Jedi Order podcast? Um, We're reading it because you will recognize several characters in this book from the later series. And also, Zonamasiko is detailed in this book in a way that to me always felt this, as I've said on this podcast before, my memories of this book and of the Unifying Force tangled together a lot. They felt like a very cohesive explanation of what Zodamacy Code is to me. And it's meant to kind of explain more about Jabatha, about a little bit about what happened to Roger, and tie that into the prequels that were coming out during this time. So it was released in May 2000 between Dark Tide 1 and Dark Tide 2, which is, I was going to ask if you guys had any thoughts about the placement of it there, because I had expected it to be later. I had expected this to come out, like, right before the final prophecy or something, but it's actually a bit earlier than that. So readers who know this will recognize Jabatha and Seacott when they appear later in the series. Um, do you guys, and now Rocky, I think it's super interesting that you've never read this before. Bria, I think you read this when you were younger. Any yeah. thoughts about where the placement is and like where you'd almost recommend people read it? Um, so in a way it makes sense that it came out in 2000 because clearly this was meant to be one of the bridging novels between the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. So this is obviously something you can read and not ever touch the new jedi order if you don't want to um but what i did find interesting was that in the back of my copy there's an interview with greg bear um where delray and i mean who knows how much of this is i don't want to sound like someone's lying but like how much is completely true but delray asked him how did rogue planet come about how much of the idea behind the book is yours and how much is george lucas's and greg bear responds with I developed the idea and pitched it to the folks at Lucasfilm, and with, with a few minor changes, the idea proceeded to book form as originally conceived. So I'm very curious oh. as to which came first. <laughs> yeah, I am too, now that I think of it. Huh, I think the question is a little misleading, because people who are familiar with Star Wars publishing generally know that like none of this is coming directly from George Lucas, but how much of it is bare versus how much of it is that kind of... Um, yeah. think tank that came up with with the book canon overall at Lucasfilm. Yeah. Yeah, because he says technical corrections and some character details and limitations were imposed to make it fit within Star Wars, but I think they were comparatively minor. Makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. Huh. That wasn't actually the answer to the question you asked, though, was it, Megan? <laughs> No, but I think it was it was an interesting answer because you're right that you could read this as part of there were a bunch of books um coming out during that time that were about Anakin and Obi-Wan 
before the Clone Wars stuff happened. And that's like, I don't just mean the Clone Wars, the TV show, but there are a whole bunch of books that take place in that era, like Shatterpoint, like we talked about, to like less well-known, less interesting ones. And um, like you could have read it very easily. It's just part of that. Yeah. I'm wondering if people picked up at all since you said it came out so early in the NJO series that when they mentioned the far outsiders, if people speculated as to whether or not they were the Yuzen Bong or not. We'll have to go look at like the the boards from that no. era. No. 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> so Yeah, um also I just realized that 2000 was actually 19 years ago and I'm having a minor crisis over here right now because I'm pretty sure it was actually about three years ago maybe yeah. a little bit more I'm way too young for this <laughs> you're the youngest one of us <laughs> exactly and I'm too young for this <laughs> I'm kind of glad that I didn't read this when I when I might have because this seems like the sort of book that I totally would have picked up in like 2002 2003-ish based on like based on what the libraries had at that time I'm actually really surprised I never picked it up at that time nor did I later on and only now I read it I'm kind of glad that I read it at the end of the new Jedi Order because in a way it feels like kind of fills in some of the blanks about like the backstory and all but I could also see someone reading this between the final prophecy and the unifying force. Mm-hmm. That's, oh, that's where a, I would put it. Yeah. If I was I gonna like say probably I feel like that would probably be my recommendation. I like I that. But that's I also good. do I also firmly and wholeheartedly believe that the proper reading order for Star Wars books is a suggestion. Much like the pirate code, more like guidelines. <laughs> So the central characters in this book are Anakin and Obi-Wan. And I had missed prequel Anakin and Obi-Wan so much. Or, well, excuse me, Legends, the Legends version of them. Because this was like, I expected to like this book. I remembered liking it. I didn't expect it to feel so much like a warm hug that it did. Because yes. these are the the versions of the characters that I feel like they're a really good pair for each other they um they're clearly very affectionate with each other and they just they want to be jedi and they want to be with each other and that's something that was missing to me from the current um from master and apprentice by claudia gray which i think was a well i i respect what she did in it but i did not like it so this overall so this to me was like okay these are the prequel characters i remember these are the characters that i like to root for so i just like my the beginning of my notes and this was just like they're really cute they hold hands in one scene anakin's dialogue sounds like a 12 year old there are times especially in the beginning of the book where he reads like a much older person because he's so accomplished he fights like like an older person but he did feel like a kid to me and obi-wan felt like the kind of like mellow but also a little um like type a person who just really wanted to be a good jedi and be a noble person and everything was going wrong all the time and things were (laughs) weird around him and he's covered in spiky polyp animals and is like, just what is happening to me? And I loved all of that so much. 
like it gave me there was very much a vibe in there that Anakin's in trouble must be Tuesday (laughs) (laughs) and like I really liked a lot of Obi-Wan feels like he's somewhere in the he doesn't quite feel like he's a replacement father for Anakin but almost more like a replacement older brother trying Mm. desperately to keep this overambitious, absolutely brilliant, reckless 12-year-old out of mischief. <laughs> it's, he's, the, he's the nanny to uh, Anakin's Lilo. It's, yes, yes, that's actually a great comparison. <laughs> <laughs> you the have very a much long-suffering but deeply tolerant older sibling. <laughs> you have I a note really here about being concerned about the Jedi Order not having therapy for him, which I would also oh, connect to the boy. fact to this book's, <laughs> let's say, not particularly contemporary treatment of the slavery issue that's throughout Star Wars. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Ooh, okay. So, like, throughout this, there were various instances where I wanted to hold up this book and say, hi, this is actually a great fictional depiction of what PTSD can feel like. It's awesome that the Jedi Order is totally unable to recognize that a kid they've rescued from slavery probably has a lot of trauma and then add in the fact that he's just been separated from his mother and has no way of guaranteeing that she's going to be safe or even still alive. It's the Jedi are so horrifyingly short-sighted about realizing that Anakin's been through a lot and they can give him all the Jedi philosophy that they want, but he's got a lot of baggage to handle and that's just not going to end well for anyone if he doesn't get some kind of way of coping with it and dealing with it. It... This is kind of an ongoing thing I feel like I've noticed in a lot of different fiction where, like, I feel like prequel era Jedi Order is really bad about realizing that traumatic things happen to people and you cannot necessarily just meditate your way out of it. And Mm. they're just not great at realizing that Anakin has been through something that very, very, very few 12-year-olds have and he's dealing with a lot of it. It's not just going to go away. So would you say that overall you felt that was handled well in the book, but you were frustrated by the in-universe actions of the Jedi? Okay. In-universe, yes. Out of universe, they depict his trauma outstandingly well and that he's still dealing with it. In-universe, yes, hello, Jedi. We need to have a talk here. (laughs) So, Bria, (laughs) well, if you you have more, um, feel free to add it. Uh, no, I'll just go wandering off soapboxing, so I'll save that for some other rant some other time. <laughs> okay. Um, Bria, you had brought up Master and Apprentice earlier, and so how did you feel the characterization in this book um, compared to, I know you really loved that book, so any thoughts about that and specifically or Anakin and Obi-Wan in general? I mean, Master and Apprentice was not my favorite of Claudia Gray's books, but I liked it and I thought it was interesting how they do it, but... Um... I mean, for me, I can't really compare the two of them because they're two very different Master Padawan relationships. I mentioned Master and Apprentice because that was emblazoned across the top of the back of the book. 
Oh, okay. So I may have taken that comment a little too literally. I yes. apologize. <laughs> no, it just literally says bastard apprentice at the top. And I was like, oh, I have feelings. Um, <laughs> I thought there was some, there were thematic feelings. No, were- no, not really. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm not that deep, Megan. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's- sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. It doesn't have to be deep. I just took it too literally. <laughs> I mean, I like what they do with Anakin in here. And I also think that despite despite some things in here, that the core relationship between them could actually fit decently well in how canon has been. Um, I kept thinking of the Obi-Wan and Anakin comic that Charles Soule wrote that came out a couple of years ago, which had a slightly older Anakin who was sort of second-guessing himself and they hadn't quite figured out how to... Anakin was judging, was trying to figure out whether or not he wanted to stay in the order. Um, so it was it was interesting to to have that in the back of my mind while also reading this. Okay. One of the things that I really liked about this was the foreshadowing for Anakin's fall because it was. Um, so nothing about this book was subtle. Like one of the things I do want to say is that part of the reason I liked this book so much was that it was just like a very sincere space adventure. And that was fun. There were, but there were moments where um, there was kind of a flash forward to Darth Vader and to, it didn't, not explicitly saying like, this is like, here's a picture of Darth Vader. But there was one where Anakin kind of has a vision of himself burning or the forest burning and the force or Seika kind of whispering this will happen to you and I really loved that because it was very creepy and there's also the Vader foreshadowing with Anakin being unable to stop himself from using a force choke on the blood carver near the end and he is he goes into this almost like state where he can't control the force and I just thought that was kind of a moving a moment where he's he's so young and he's sliding so early into being unable to kind of control the emotional side of the force. And there's no indication here that Palpatine is even involved in this. This isn't someone pointing Anakin toward the dark side. This is him coming at the force without the benefits or the blindness of being raised in the Jedi Temple and being told, like, here's a type of... Um, power you can use and a type of power you can't use. Anakin doesn't know that, but he does know that, like, he doesn't want to kill a person, and he knows that that is a is, like, a horrible act, but the Force is kind of working through him, as if it itself has its own will, and I thought the scene with the Force choke was really effective because of that. There was... Also, Anakin's baby crush on Jabatha, which I just kind of thought was funny because I'd forgotten. Jabatha is not, a, I mean, she's young. She's like, again, like 12 or 11 or something in this book. And she's, um, it's, you know, real her, not hologram projection her most of the time. Sometimes it's hologram projection her. And so I was like, okay, like, that's fine. Whatever. It's kind of cute that Anakin likes her. I like that a lot because Anakin is often such a normal 12-year-old. He really is sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) I would have liked this book when I was 12, I think. (laughs) This is making me think of, like, one sentence or one part in the book that I thought was a little weird in retrospect. Uh, 
when it's towards the end, and I think Anakin and Obi-Wan, I think Jabba is there, and, like, Anakin's sleeping, and Obi-Wan's like, oh, like, he's been missing the female presence in his life. And I'm like, what? Well, that's <laughs> not great. The heck? Like, can we yeah. not? Uh, yeah. <laughs> But other than that, the crush was the crush was cute. It felt very in keeping with Anakin. Yes. Mm-hmm. He likes accomplished girls, I guess. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked a little bit about Qui Gon and Obi Wan. Um, I personally, I, I like. There's a bit in here about how Obi Wan was like super Type A and super nervous and wasn't great at being a Jedi, which is the whole thing from the the Jedi Apprentice series about him. And part. <laughs> sorry, say again. I remember. I remember that from reading a bit of Jedi Apprentice, and then as we meet Obi Wan actually being a Jedi, I'm like, oh look, he grew up. He's gonna be okay. <laughs> yeah. And I, I thought that was really sweet because I could always really identify with young type A Obi-Wan. So the, uh, the, the of course, the background and the important world building stuff in this book is Zonamasiko itself. So Greg Bear, the other thing that I know him for, are, I've read a couple of his original novels, I think. But also he wrote a Halo series called the Forerunner Saga, which was establishing all this ancient history and these strange alien technology and people that didn't understand the planet they were on but it was suffused with all this technology and i'll be honest i don't love that trilogy but after reading this i was like yeah like greg bear is really good at just doing like a tour of a weird planet and going look how weird it is and it's fun so i enjoyed seeing the kind of organic machines, like everything is living in this world, but it's presented in a very positive way, as opposed to the Yusan Vong's um, life forms being all kind of disgusting and designed to create pain and goo in Zonamasiko. They're all, they're friendlier. (laughs) I've forgotten how much of this book was literally just them going through the process of getting the shit made. (laughs) Yes. That was quite a long process. I was kind of surprised. I actually love that. I loved seeing that final piece of putting the ship together. All of the organic and all of the machines combining together. Wow. I actually really liked seeing all of that. It almost felt magical in a way. Like Mm -hmm. not something I would expect to see out of Star Wars but more likely in like a more traditional fantasy series. It was really kind of neat, though. I think part of what I like about it so much is that it appeals to me not wanting to make a plot structure. I just want to be like, yeah, the story is they go through this giant biomechanical factory floor, and that's the story structure. (laughs) And obviously, this book has more structure than that. It has a kind of typical like adventure story and they have to rescue someone at the end or else the planet will be attacked by the um 
the new, the Republic acting a lot like the Imperials. So it has its own thing. But I was also like, my favorite part is just the part when they go through and, and the ship gets built around them. And I love the seed partners so much. This is just like, I could just go on about how they basically are like Pokemon, but weirder. And I love that concept so much. I love the idea of like alien pets that know psychically whether they want to attach to you or not. And will kind of stick with you through thick and thin. And like, that's just a very, especially when I was a kid, but also now this is like a very psychologically satisfying thing to me. And the, the fact that, like, the Jedi just get covered in piles of them, and there's this very, I found it very easy to visualize, just this avalanche of, like, spiky animal things. It was just so delightful to me. I like the bit where Anakin's, like, knocked over on the ground because 12 of them have attached <laughs> themselves to him. Yes. I Anakin's have the mental image. I very much have a mental image of the seed partners being kind of like, you know, those burrs where like you walk through mm-hmm. the woods and there is this big spiky seed thing that has attached to your clothes. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my mental image and except bigger and probably a little bit more fuzzy than spiny. And it's kind of adorable. <laughs> and then exactly. we find out that when the blood carver goes to try to get seed partners, uh, they chew his clothes off. If I read that right. Or... <laughs> I think, I think that's. Am I yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> they were not. They, they, they were not they... too happy about the blood carver. And when I read that, and read that again, and just started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, I Anakin's twelve children are so valid, and an Obi Wan's normal amount. This certainly puts into perspective, like how many the Jedi and the new Jedi Order got. I still don't know why Dana didn't get any. Still mad about that. It's, it's still... I agree. Where is my Jaina Solo deserve better soapbox? I mean, if anything, Jaina should have been the one to, like, have 12 of them coming to her, like, it happened to Anakin. Mm-hmm. Like, I have this... Mm-hmm. Yes, I have the mental image of Jaina being, like, so covered in them, and she sticks a hand out of a pile of seed partners, like, hey, guys, I'm under here. Someone come help me out here. <laughs> They're like, we're going to make a Star Destroyer out of this one. Yes. That would have been cool. Oh, man, that would have been cool. Okay, now I have this image of a Star Destroyer made out of all of these adorable fuzzy burrs. <laughs> oh, no, that's really cute. <laughs> it's so fuzzy! <laughs> they have so many eyes, though. They don't... The burrs don't stay to the final process. <laughs> That's both adorable and slightly horrifying. <laughs> you just walk down the corridor and the ship blinks at you innumerably. So this feels like some blend of really fuzzy and adorable and like those those weird images made by the Google neural net that look like weird eyes and things like that go <laughs> yes. google that if you want to be slightly horrified <laughs> yes absolutely so overall i enjoyed the gradual reveal of what zonama seacoat is and who seacoat is um i think it actually would have been interesting to read this before knowing what happened at the end of the new jedi order because going Throughout, it's very clear, like, oh, there's hyperdrive engines, and there's a central consciousness, and this is what happened to the Yusan Vong, but the book does not explain a lot of those things until later, if at all. And I like that, but it also um, 
I think it would have worked really well if you weren't familiar with the series and maybe would either have felt mysterious and pleasant or like nothing was answered if you hadn't read the rest of the series. But I, overall, I think that the balance was was good. Did you guys have any thoughts about the kind of rate of information, like the way ideas were doled out throughout the story? Ooh, yes. So even though I knew from the beginning of this, having read the New Jedi Order, I knew that Zonama Seacut had hyperdrives. The slow, gradual reveal that it has hyperdrives and everyone's assumption at first of, oh, that must be some sort of weapon that's hidden in the planet, must be some sort of weapon, and then, nah, planet blinks into hyperspace. Just the surprise at the end of, wait a minute, the planet just left the battle. <laughs> like, even though I knew intellectually that, it, that Zonama Seika was going to nope out of there, it was still really great to see it slowly built up and like, you can tell there's something funny going on with the planet, but then suddenly planet mm-hmm. is out. <laughs> Seika out. Yep. <laughs> yep. So that was really cool. Don't really have too much to say about it, but it was cool. So, I had forgotten uh, that it was a, uh, that Seacott has sort of only been recently woken in this book. Yeah. It's still kind of trying to figure out itself, right? Yeah. Yep. All of when Seacott appears as Berger to Anakin, all of its questions about, you know, I'm not actually entirely sure what's going on around here, but here's what I've been told. It's, and then realizing just how far back we are chronologically from the New Jedi Order. Oh, wow. Hmm. <laughs> yep. So I wanted to make sure to give us space to talk about Tarkin and Wraith Sinar, partially yeah. because I... Um, um, they're they're there. They're part of the plot. They're kind of the basically the, the timer that's going to tick down toward the end of the of the book. Um, and because I did think it was kind of fun to have Sinar there, like he's he, him and Tarkin playing like three dimensional chess, and just both being jerks was fun, but also was not like the most interesting part of the book for me. Um, I guess the other thing that they're good for in this book is showing how the Republic is going to gradually turn into the Empire and how and there's a couple moments where Siner is like oh are you really going to do that like that doesn't seem like a very Republic thing to do and Tarkin's like I'm going to do it because it's how I operate and we all know how that ends up so uh, anything anything to add about them I my biggest problem with the book is how much of Siner there was it was like every other chapter we went back to him and I was just finding myself being like, can we just, can we move this along? Because to me, the interesting thing about the book was when we were, like you said before, going through the seed process. I mean, I like, I like the idea of a Star Wars book that doesn't have tons and tons of plot like this one did, like this one did. And I felt like the book could have been much more engaging and effective for me if we had had maybe a third of the scenes with Sinar. Because mm-hmm. so I mean, much I can... of it was just him being like, hi, I'm on the ship. We're finding the thing. Let's keep going. I'm going to think something kind of like an asshole. And yeah, 
Like, I'm, he's not tart. He's not Krennic. I totally Spiders. lost track of the, like, double crosses with the droids and just kind of went, uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I just, yeah, I very quickly just assumed that the lesson to be learned there is that Sayonar is not as smart as he wishes he were. And, or at least when it comes to plotting and scheming and all of that, yeah, I think I think he kind of realizes that he cannot actually keep up with all of Tarkin's schemes, and he's not too thrilled about that. Uh, I kind of liked all of their triple-crossing and mean-girling and who's actually telling the truth about what. It was entertaining, but I would actually rather have had like a short story about all of their misadventures and schemes and the thing I did like with a lot of their interaction and it's hinted at a few other times is that the old republic is crashing down upon itself it's rapidly imploding and a lot of people have not realized it but those who are in power those who get into the right places realize that the whole thing is just an absolute disaster held together with like duct tape and optimism and different reactions seeing seeing all of Tarkin's plotting around and I want to punch him in the face quite a few times which to me means he's a very well written character in this <laughs> hmm. that's the part that reminded me of Krennic honestly the like you're slimy and I want want to punch you in the face like you are a truly horrible person and you're doing awful things but it's very well written that you are being a horrible person congratulations <laughs> hold still so i can punch you <laughs> <laughs> so the other character so we didn't get a lot about Verger. we in fact did not get as much as i had hoped she has already left by this time the first attack by the yusan vong is not documented um the fact that Roger was there we never get from anything about that actual situation she's already gone by the time the jedi get there but we do meet her jedi master thracia cholim who is apparently friends with mace windu and also left the jedi order she quote took a break from the jedi order and went and and was married several times and had several kids and then came back which i was just like Number one, I mean, good for you, like, and that kind of explains why Verger is so, like, freewheeling, but also, how is this canon? Like, was this before the stuff about, um, uh, Kaede Mundi being the only Jedi allowed to have children was a thing? Is this before, obviously it's before Anakin and Padme were a thing, but, like, why was this, where did this come from? I got the impression that that kind of came from Thracia saying, oh, by the way, while I was on vacation, meet my spouse and kids. If you don't like it, I don't care. I got the impression that she didn't really like the rules in the first place. And it seemed just the way that she talked with Mace Windu made me really think that she either has enough political pull within the Jedi or she is good enough at what she does that they're willing to let her bend the rules a bit. Mm, I still feel like that opens up (laughs) it opens up so many loopholes of like well okay so who else how close to Mace Windu do you have to be to bend the rules like who else is allowed 
I've always kind of headcanoned that there are substantially more Jedi than we will ever know about from the old Jedi Order who do end up married and and or with kids. It's just that I feel like it happens more often than the old Jedi Order thinks it does. See, or here's at least I've that for ages. I think the thing is, though, that the Jedi, they had, what, what was it, the Lost Twelve, right? Yeah, I actually yeah, did a little 20. research on that in mm-hmm. Wikipedia, and it said that Thracia was not technically one okay, of them. So that's my point, though, is that the Jedi, the Lost Twelve, is a very, very, very small number for thousands of years of the Jedi Order. Like, you're really telling me that only 12 people ever left, and I have yeah, a theory no. now. It was that, 20, but that's still whatever. a long number okay. over 12 yeah, 20, of years. whatever. You get, okay, it's two digits for thousands yeah. of years. Yeah. So my point yeah. is, is that I feel like <laughs> I feel like this is how they get around it. Like sometimes you just let people go take a, je- a vacation from the Jedi Order, and as long as you didn't become a Sith and do evil, evil things, it's fine. We can move past it. It's um, kind of like how in academia you'd call that a sabbatical. Yeah, and then I also just love that her and Mace are friends because it's just it delights me to no end. Anytime you take Mace Windu and you put him together with a character who is much less about like the rules and you just wants to just who drives him crazy. It's just beautiful. Like, yes, I would love, love, love some kind of like short story or even a comic series about some of their hijinks. <laughs> you should read Chatterpoint, Rocky. There All are right. hijinks. Not with Thrasia, but Mace gets into hijinks. Good. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Well then. Nick Rossi was doing his best, okay? Oh, Nick well Rossi then. was a sweet good boy. Well, I now have one more thing on my reading list. Excellent. You should put this one higher on the list. I think you'll enjoy it. So, the other thing that, that Thursia's perspective, like, kind of, what kind of hit me was that it gives a sense of how long Vergera was gone. Like, she's already left the the Jedi now when Anakin is 12 and now she comes back and is talking to his grandson. And that just was a good perspective for how long it's been. Yeah. Cause like, I remember from what destiny's way when Jason finally tells Berger what happened to Anakin and Berger is just, Oh, he was a good kid. I remember him. He was such a good kid. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I guess bad that like, Anakin Skywalker, when you meet him in the Phantom Menace, is such a good, sweet boy who just wants to help other people. And what did the Jedi Order do? They screwed up a perfectly good kid that gave him anxiety at the dark side. And But he came with uh, enough anxiety. <laughs> I was hoping that was where you were going with that. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like Gracie yeah. a lot, and... After after this book, I'm wondering, has she taken on a few apprentices who have some disregard for the rules or at least skepticism for them? Is that kind of her type as well? But it did make a point to say that she takes mostly female apprentices, which I was like, that's kind of a weird thing to point out. But OK. And then they never elaborate on that. Yeah. But all right. I mean, I would bet that most Jedi Masters probably have a type of apprentices that they seem to click best with. So. Mm, true. Yeah. I don't know. Qui Gon, though. Well, <laughs> between Obi Wan and what was his name? Was it? No, it's not Xanatos. Xanatos? Are we going back there? Yeah. 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 
My first thought was Gantoris. I'm like, no, 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 wrong side. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So much of my brain is just devoted to recognizing Star Wars names. I can't always tell you where they're from exactly, but I'll recognize them. (laughs) There is still a very good portion of my brain that's just like Star Wars trivia. That's its only purpose. (laughs) I mean, guys, we are are hosting a podcast about (laughs) Star Wars books. So, <laughs> this is why not the trivia thing the anakin and Vergera thing this is why i almost wanted a little bit more of a prequel to this with like i want to see when Vergera actually met anakin i want to see yes. when she met the the yusan bong for the first time i do feel like so she said he was a good boy but like when did she meet him like i still want that scene yes. yeah i thought i thought they had met in this book like i thought for some reason, I kept waiting for them to interact, and it never happened except for that message. No, and I don't, I, I can't pull up Wikipedia right now, but I don't think that happened in anything else. It's just, they say it happened, so it did, you know? Yeah. I feel like this is a short episode, but that's about all the things I have to say about this book. Is I, I liked it. Like, there's a part toward the end where they're flying into the atmosphere in the the say cotton ship and they're being shot at and Anakin's scared but he's piloting because he has to be the one to pilot because it's his ship and Obi-Wan is like you can do this like just hold on and I was like this is amazing it's like I can take inspiration from space wizards way easily than I can from somebody saying like you can do it without the context of the battle going on around the living planet so it was just a nice like positive book experience for me and I don't really maybe that's part of why I don't have too much to dig into but I liked it I wish he had gotten to keep his ship yes. and it hadn't yeah. died oh I was so sad that his ship died it kind of it made me feel I this is this was one of the things where I was just like someone please protect this child because between that and then at the start of the book when um the the council mentioned something about oh is he making more droids that nobody needs and I'm like this precious baby doesn't know what else to do. Oh, he no, just, he's just trying to make friends, literally make yes, friends. Yes, oh. like back to my earlier point, Anakin needs things like friends and help and <laughs> a lot more help than the Jedi are actually bothering to give him. <laughs> And instead, he's running away and racing through the underbelly of Coruscant because that's what he knows he's good at. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Anakin. I, yes, by the end of it, I just really wanted to hug Anakin. I didn't find the parts, like, the blood carver is like, you, you must be a slave. Like, I know it. I know it by the look of you. And I was like, oh, that's rough. And I don't think Star Wars is a play is has ever like nobody ever goes back and frees the slaves on Tatooine and that's a an issue and it just kind of like hurts my heart that that's part of Anakin will always be like people recognize that's what I am Sabe Padme and Sabe tried to help yes that's true they tried one of the many good things that Queen's Shadow made a point of doing All right, I think that's all I have. Does anybody else have anything to add before we get into our listener question? Not really. Not that I can think of. 
Okay. I mean, I book. That's about what I have. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think overall, like, would you say you overall liked it, Bria? Yeah. I mean, like I said, the, the stuff that dragged me down, and maybe this is, again, I should do my reading sooner than I do. Um, I, it's just the Rath Sinar stuff. I'm just like, I didn't care about him. And I wanted to mm-hmm. get back to these, to Obi-Wan and Anakin. And he wasn't, to me, an interesting enough villain to justify spending that much time with him. Okay. So our listener question comes from Thai pilot Dandy on the, the Tashi Station Patreon forums. And... Um, they have a little context about feeling that Anakin and Obi-Wan were used too much in the prequel era books and that they were in every prequel era book and that um, Thai pilot Dandy did not love that. And their, so their question is, do you think they added... Um, you think they added... So do you think Anakin and Obi-Wan added to the book's story as characters? Or do you think maybe it should have focused on other Republic Jedi or Verger? And how well did you think they were written here? Thanks. Thanks for your question. I think part of this we've answered, um, but I also, the thing I wanted to talk about with this specifically is that to a degree, this is just a matter of taste, right? This is just a matter of like, either you love them and you want to see more of them in every book, or you're like, yeah, but there could be so many other Jedi characters that we could talk about. And I think both of those are, I like, I have felt both of those things at different times. In this case, I think it works well for Obi-Wan and Anakin, kind of like, kind of for all the reasons that we've listed. Like, it's about Anakin's loss. It's about Anakin's inability to find something to hang on to that actually stays. But also, I would like if it had been more focused on Verger. If this had been about Theresia and Verger the whole time, I would read that book, too. I would have liked the book so much better if we had had, if half of it had been Theresia and Verger and the other half had been Obi-Wan and Anakin. Because I agree with you that this is definitely everything you said about it being good for Obi-Wan and Anakin. Because um, what springs to mind for me is Outbound Flight as the other book where they were kind of just shoved in there and they didn't need to be. I, I felt like that was, out of all the prequel era books, this is not the one that I would say shouldn't have been, have had Obi-Wan and Anakin heavily involved. Okay. Like, especially with the seed bonds, with the seed pods. I mean, what other prequel Jedi can you do that with but Anakin? Hmm. I agree. I would have definitely liked a few more. Like, you could have even woven it in as flashback scenes of Verger and Thracia and some of Verger's adventures meeting the far outsiders and deciding to go with them. I think that would have been a really good addition in there, but I think this was a good choice of book to be so Anakin and Obi-Wan centered. Trying to think of other prequel era books that were not about these Jedi, and I am having trouble coming up with anything. This is just making me want to reread um, Dawn of the Jedi again, which was a weird book with original characters. I loved that book, though. That's Um, definitely on my list to reread when I don't have yeah. any new Star Wars books. Okay, Maybe going... they lull before uh, the next Alphabet Squadron. Yeah. Okay, going through them in my mind, most of the other ones took place between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. But then you mm-hmm. also had, there was a Darth Maul book, which we won't, I guess we don't really count that one, 
Cloca Deception doesn't really count either. Um, <laughs> well, does the Darth Maul politics. book count as a Jedi book? <laughs> That's a very important question. Um. <laughs> well, I would have opinions about that. I'm just going through like the prequel books I can think of. Uh, <laughs> the Approaching Storm would have been Anakin, Obi-Wan, and then Barriss and Luminara, which that one had to be Anakin and Obi-Wan because it's literally the border dispute on Antion. Um, Sassus Deception was the Obi-Wan book. Hero's Trial was the Anakin book. And it shouldn't... God, I didn't like that book. Shadowpoint didn't really have either of them in it, because that was a Maze book. The Medstar duology is Barriss. was about Yoda, and that had some new Jedi in it. Yeah, Dark Rendezvous was Yoda. And Anakin and Obi-Wan... Okay, that, that one I could argue where it was mostly a Yoda, Dooku, and the two Padawans book. But there are points where Anakin and Obi Wan appeared where I'm like, this is it could it didn't need to be these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did appreciate the random mention of Padme's handmaidens in the one or two chapters she was in. That like, was yeah. a good book, I yeah. think. Oh, it's a really good book. Um, but yeah, I can't believe I said all of that off the top of my head. God, I'm a nerd. Oh, yeah, I'm on flight, like we said before. But what, yeah. else, what else are we here for? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, this is the nerd corner. <laughs> All right. So I think that's that's the wrap on this one. Um, so kind of a nice short episode for the holidays. Um, next time, we're going to be reading Invasion, the comic series set during the New Jedi Order. Um, so where can people find you guys on social media if we want to talk between episodes? You can find me on Twitter at Chaos Bria, where every now and then I talk about Star Wars, but mostly I'm still talking about Dragon Age. But I might start talking about Witcher 3 soon if I'm, if I don't want to deal with fandom after the Rise of Skywalker happens. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I was going to be like, yeah, I'm I'm at blog full of words on Twitter where I will not be talking about Star Wars, except I will. I will. But I'll be talking about Star Wars when I need to for work, probably. <laughs> well, I'm also going to be on Twitter. I am Lady Darth Kytus. I will not be talking about Rise of Skywalker spoilers. You'll have to. You'll have to find me on Twitter a few weeks after the movie has come out to talk spoilers you'll also get plenty of cars world of warcraft other random nerdy stuff cooking whatever all right so this podcast is distributed as part of the tashi station network if you like what you hear you can support the network on patreon join us next time when we read star wars invasion written by tom taylor and illustrated by colin wilson and wes zobia You can read and tweet along with us by using the hashtag LongCast. Thanks for listening.